is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Jacob, it wasn't too far in the past that mm. we, as fans of the Steelers, had our Hall of Fame quarterback sidelined for an extended period of time. So we can speak from experience when we say it sucks when you have to go into weeks with your backup quarterback. The wound is still fresh. It because really sucks. What, you, you got Ben back, but the 11-0, 1-4, and then the start to 2021 has not been anything to make you forget about 2019. Because it just sucks when you're going week to week and you're you're looking at the matchups and you're saying, I got talent on this side of the ball, but do I have the right person that can facilitate it to that talent? It's exactly what these Seattle Seahawks fans are going through right now. They were already up against it with the toughest division in football and them being in a tie for last place heading into this most recent weekend uh, they're still in a tie for last place. In fact, they're actually in third place right now because of the tiebreaker they have over the Niners, both of those teams sitting at two and three. But it's an uphill battle for both Seattle and San Francisco to climb back into that race, and it got even tougher for the Seattle Seahawks losing Russell Wilson for what could be six to eight weeks with that finger injury that he had to get surgery on. So it's just hard and we know it, like I said to start this episode, to to really understand what your team's going to look like every single week when you have to have a backup quarterback play. Of course, it's going to get somewhat better after a couple weeks because he's going to start to – he's taking those starter reps in the practices. He's, he's going to start to feel like the starter after a while. But those first initial games, the first game when he comes in in relief and that first two games after that, that's – that's a weird place for that offensive players to be, for that coaching staff to be, because you just you just don't know what you're going to be able to do, what you're not going to be able to do. His limitations are different from Russell Wilson's limitations, because Russell Wilson's limitations are basically none of there's there's none of them. So it's just a tough adjusting period that Seattle has to go through. And all that being said, it's great news for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, it's just phenomenal news. I mean, I am just ecstatic about the news. Never want to see a player get injured, of course. But, I mean, you couldn't ask for better timing for this one. I forget the actual physical number here, but the amount of times in the past decade or so where the, the Steelers have gone up against a backup quarterback on a good offense is, I think, the highest in the league. And some teams that come to mind are twice against the Packers. First, it was Matt Flynn in 2013. Then it was Deshaun Kaiser in 2017. That Kaiser game was scary. The Kaiser game was really bad because that game was A- Late in the year, I think it was the it last was. week of de- November, if not the first week of December, and a Sunday night game. So that's bread and butter for Mike Tomlin. As I mentioned in a previous segment, that he's just not able to win as comfortably as he used to be, especially against Deshaun Kaiser. It, I mean, there are there are so many guys. I mean, you look back to 2008, the last time the Steelers won in Foxborough. It wasn't because Tom Brady was that quarterback. It was Ryan Mallett at quarterback. So often, it's so odd how the Steelers have such luck with playing backup quarterbacks. Wasn't that Matt Castle in 08? Was it Matt? You're I right. I think it was Matt Not Castle. Not Ryan Mallett. You're yeah. right. It was, it was Matt Castle. They Thank lost you. to Ryan Mallett when he played for the Ravens. They lost to Ryan Mallett when it was him instead of Joe Flacco. Yes. But again, there's another example, yes. Tom. I mean, so often you see the Steelers get the luck of the, the, luck of the draw when it comes to facing backups. 
And as you just pointed out, Tom, in 2016 when it was Ryan Mallett, it didn't matter. They still lost that game. Ryan Granted, Finley last year. I know the Bengals' Ryan offense fin- wasn't good sure, last year, right, but, but it was the Joe Burrow. You're against Ryan Finley instead of Joe Burrow. Exactly. They, they've been bitten by this in the past before. That Deshaun Kaiser game is the one that sticks to my crawl the most. It Just took because a, it took a— Tony Toe tap amazing catch and a Boswell like 55-yard mm-hmm. field goal in order to, to come away with a victory at your, like a, at your home stadium. It was like a three-play— 50-yard drive in about 25 seconds. How explosive that offense used to be. Could they go three plays in 50-plus yards in 25 seconds today, do you think? I don't think so. The Steelers' offense. Oh, you're saying that offense in today's game, I said, absolutely. That offense can do it at any point. But the Steelers' offense, three-play. That's what I I mean. What was was the drive, the first drive against Denver? I think it was about five or six plays – about 70 yards and a couple of minutes off the clock. No pressure of you need to get in a field goal range or lose. No, the game, no, man. no. Not in crunch time like that with only seconds remaining. Absolutely not. Yeah, I don't think so. But uh, again, that backup quarterback bug has bitten the Steelers before. You really hope it doesn't this Sunday with Geno Smith coming to town in the place of Russell Wilson. The one thing, Jacob, that you said, and by the way, this is the Steelers standard Tom Opperman, Jacob Brecht. You said that in a previous episode, he now has 13 days, 10 days, whatever it is, to work and prepare for the Pittsburgh Steelers as the starter, taking those first team reps, the offense being schemed around his strengths instead of just having to jump in on a Russell Wilson game plan and try to finish that game off against the Rams. It'll it'll be a different story against the Steelers. They'll try to either simplify things if they need to for him or you know focus on this set of plays because he runs them more efficiently than this set of plays. So the preparation standpoint will be different for Geno Smith, of course, and you get that extra time to work coming off of the Thursday night football game. You can have as much time as you want. Again, with a backup quarterback, there's only so much that you can do. And I don't think Geno Smith is a terrible backup quarterback. You know, there is some bad backup quarterback situations in the NFL. You don't even know who the Jets... Seahawks would have liked to have either Dwayne Haskins or Mason Rudolph? No, I think Geno Smith is just as good as those two guys. You have two of them, though. You don't know who the Jets' backup quarterback is. You don't know who the Giants' backup quarterback is. I don't know. I would say... You don't know who the Jags' backup quarterback is. I only know the Seahawks' backup quarterback because... Russell Wilson is no longer. I didn't know Geno Smith was still. That's in the how league. it goes. That's how it goes. You playing. don't know who these backup quarterbacks are until that starter goes down and they're all of a sudden thrown into the game and are the the focal point of the entire game. Uh, I know Chase Daniel is the backup to Herbert because I just saw him on the sidelines going nuts in that Browns game. But other than that, you know, you never know who these guys are until they pop their heads up. And it's Geno Smith time in Seattle. The one thing that Geno Smith does. That is probably the biggest drop off from Russell Wilson. And there's a lot of things that he drops off on compared to Russell Wilson. But protection of the football is the one thing that I think the Steelers need to exploit this week. Mm -hmm. Wilson's only thrown one interception all year to this point. In Seattle, as an offense, they've only turned the ball over three total times. That's the best in the NFL. So Seattle does not turn the ball over. Russell Wilson does not throw interceptions. Geno Smith, on the other hand, he's known to be a bit more reckless. 928 career pass attempts, 37 interceptions to just 30 touchdowns. So he throws more picks than he does TD passes, and he tossed a killer pick on Thursday Night Football last week against the Rams that really iced that game uh, for L.A. 
defense for the Steelers is lagging in that turnover department. They only have four this year. Falcons, Raiders, Jags, and Niners. Those are the only teams that have forced fewer turnovers than your Pittsburgh Steelers this year. Nice to see the Niners in that neighborhood because you expect them to be up at the top with the Steelers. Yeah, but it's still terrible to be living in the neighborhood with them. You want to be able to force more turnovers than they are. Mm-hmm. Maybe this week is your, your opportunity to get one. And I'm looking at Minka because he's really been sniffing around that turnover the past couple of weeks. Maybe this is the week he snags one off of Geno Smith. I think it's safe to say that he'll throw an interception. I, I think you should at least plan on if we don't if we come away on Monday morning and we're watching film, win or lose, and we don't have an interception on this guy, we need to, you know, slap ourselves on the wrist a little bit as a defensive unit. You gotta force this guy into a turnover. You got lucky with Russell Wilson going down. If Wilson was starting, I'd say probably slim to none chance this defense forces a turnover with how much they've been struggling this year and how good he is at protecting the football. But now you got a little bit more of a reckless quarterback back there. Force him into a mistake. I wouldn't even say reckless, just completely inexperienced. This is his first start, Geno Smith's first start since 2017. Four years it's been for him that he's gotten the reins to an offense to start the game. I think that not only reckless, because I do believe him to be reckless, but the reason they have Geno Smith is because he fits so well into that Seattle offense where he can be mobile in the pocket in case the offensive line does a bad job of protecting him. But I just think he's, I mean, there's no debate to it. He's an overall worse version of Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson is already a a kind of a gunslinger. I just don't think that if, if, if Geno Smith wants to emulate that kind of game, it's not going to translate. And the Steelers should be capable of forcing a turnover if they get to, if they create pressure that forces them into uncomfortable situations. The Seahawks aren't really suited to help, you know, put training wheels on the offense and, and baby step a backup quarterback through the game. They need gunslinging. They need pushing the ball down the field. Like we said, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are the really only two options mm-hmm. in that offensive game plan, and they average 15 yards per catch down the field. Russell Wilson likes to hit them in intermediate to long routes, and 50% of the time he drops back to pass, he targets one of those two guys. So that offense is all about Russell Wilson throwing to those two monsters, and it's been successful. Yeah, I mean, no, go ahead. But now with Geno Smith, is it the smartest thing to just – Status quo, keep bombing the ball to those two guys, keep targeting those two guys 50% of the time. I don't think it is. I think what you'd want to do is you'd want to be able to run the football, and to be quite honest with you, Seattle's running offense, it ain't that great. They're you know, around the bottom of the league. I think they're 19th in rushing offense. They only average 100 yards per game on the ground. Seventeenth, uh, Yeah, 19th in the NFL as far as rushing offense, 104 per game for the Seattle Seahawks. Chris Carson, probably, if he is available, going to be dealing with the injury that kept him out against the L.A. Rams last week, so he's not going to be fully healthy. Uh, Alex Collins was the guy that led the way with a little bit of D.J. Dallas sprinkled in there with Carson absent, and Collins is nothing special. He only had 45 yards against a really good Rams rush defense, but he didn't do much in the absence of Carson. And even if Carson can go, he's better than Collins or D.J. Dallas, but he's not a game breaker. He's not some world no. beater type of Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook. And he's not He'll having steal his best year. He, I think his best years have been in the past. Uh, he's getting a little bit older, and we saw him capable and and had a good year or two a couple of years ago. But 
especially now with Russell Wilson out, I, I don't see the production there. No, and again, if he is health, say he is healthy enough to go, and they say we need to simplify this offense, we need to protect Geno Smith. You know, no more gunning the ball to Metcalf and Lockett the majority of the time. We need to we need to establish the run, and we're on the road with a backup quarterback against a really good defense, if we can establish the run, that's our best chance to win this football game. I don't see them being able to establish the run. I don't think the Steelers I don't think, so I don't think the Steelers will let them get a ground game going. Even if Russell Wilson was in there, I think they'd do good at stopping the run, playing mm-hmm. just a, a straight-up 3-4 defense. But mm-hmm. I think they're going to stack the hell out of the box, and they're going to make Geno Smith throw the ball down the field. So there's going to be nowhere was, to run the ball. That was going to be my next point, too. I think this is the day where... You did so last weekend, except for the one splash play you allowed to Javante Williams. But I think there's really no excuse to allowing any semblance of a run game against you for the Steelers' defense. Uh, We saw it happen against the Bengals. We saw a flash of it from A.J. Dillon, of all people, uh, against Green Bay. But I think starting off with Denver, it's going to put you on track to kind of get ahead of the curve when it comes to stopping the run now of course your your big test of the season comes the following week after seattle when you face off against excuse me the cleveland browns um i guess that'd be in two weeks after the bye that's going to be your biggest test of the season without a doubt because you have the two headed monster and nick chubb and, and and kareem hunt but right now you can at least start to gain some momentum you you did a good job of containing both melvin gordon and javante williams regardless of the splash play they did not eclipse 100 yards if they did it was barely over it um for the game last week but i do think you can definitely gain some confidence back in terms of your capability or your confidence of of stopping the run game and i i just because i don't think a that they have the right tool and chris carson to get a run game going and b with the offensive line it should it should be an easy easy day for Cam Hayward for the defensive line and T.J. Watt to get to the running back before the line of scrimmage. Steelers defense has surrendered, I believe it's seven touchdowns to opposing wide receivers over their past three games. And now they face two studs in Lockett and D.K. Mm-hmm. Is the best thing going for them the fact that the quarterback throwing them the football is is suspect because... I'd question the, the best thing going for the Steelers. Yeah, because I'd question the secondary, especially if Cam Sutton can't go again this week and Pierre's got a slot into that number one or number two role, and everybody else bumps up on the depth chart. I, I think that they'd be in trouble against these two guys, you know, if they just had to take them on with Wilson still throwing them the football. I think the best thing going. I think DK Metcalf's one of the most uncoverable guys in the NFL. I just don't uncomfortable. Uncoverable. Oh, I just have no, and he Absolutely. makes you uncomfortable when you're out there on defense. I don't know how you do it. The best thing going for them is the fact that the guy distributing the ball to them is subpar compared to again. Who I will. Is. I will point out that he did catch a touchdown against. He the did Rams. catch a touchdown thrown by Geno Smith. He also Geno Smith threw that ridiculously bad interception late like in the game. He looked like a backup. That he has looks skill. Like a backup quarterback. He looks like a backup that was a former starter. Oh, there's skill there. Oh, he can move. Oh, he's got a gun. What the hell was he thinking on that play? You know what I mean? It's that roller coaster that you get when the backup comes in. We saw it with Mason. When Mason came in and even when Duck came in in 2019, there were moments that made you go, huh, 
That's a pretty nice throw there from Mason. He's hitting the deep ball pretty well to James Washington. And then there. the next drive, or and two then it's a later. bonehead interception. You're like, well, what the hell was he thinking? That's, that's young quarterbacks, and that's backup quarterbacks. That's how it works. That's how we went about observing the preseason for this year, right? Because you, the big topic was who's going to be number two behind Ben Mason or, or Dwayne Haskins. They both had flashes. They both had some bad moments. And then Ben came out against the Detroit Lions and torched the Lions for two of his uh, only three drives that he was playing. And we all said, see, that's what a starting quarterback is supposed to look like. It's supposed to look effortless. If only we would have known what was going to happen just three weeks later. Well, I mean, Ben played his best game last Sunday, though. So ben played his last game, and he played a decent game against Buffalo, too, which is the best defense he's gone up against. It just, I don't know if it's entirely his fault. The team as a whole, I mean, I feel like he just ben, did too much against the Raiders and the Bengals, mm-hmm. and the Bills and the Broncos game. You overthought, game you overthought it against he, the Bengals and the Raiders, and then when it came to the Packers, you were the underdog, so you didn't really have much to yeah, lose, I mean, and you weren't, you didn't expect to win that game. The Denver game was by far Ben's best game. The whole team on offense, I think it was everyone's best game of the season. And getting back to our original point is I I just don't see Geno Smith having a good day against the Steelers defense. I don't either. I don't I don't see if if DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are going to be factors in this game, it's going to be on their individual efforts. It's going to be because of yards after the catch. It's not going to be because a long touchdown throw by a long, accurate touchdown throw by Geno Smith. How do you tackle DK Metcalf? You don't. How I do don't you do anything do. against DK how do you, Metcalf? How do, you kept, how do you keep up with him if he's running past you? He's faster than you, he's bigger than you, and he's stronger than you. The one play I was How did he go DK in the Metcalf. second round? How did J.J. Arcega Whiteside go in front of him? I don't even know who that is. What that's, the hell? That's how big of a bust that guy is, but... The one play I think of when I think of DK Metcalf isn't on a touchdown or isn't on a on a long on a long. I know catch. exactly what you're going to say. It's the Buda Baker play, the track down. It's an after the interception from Russell Wilson. Athleticism by by DK Metcalf because Buda Baker's slow. I'm kidding. Buda, <laughs> Buda Baker's one of the best safeties Buda in football. One of the best defensive players in football. Yeah, had a clear path to the end zone, a hundred yards away, mind you, but still, and DK Metcalf somehow tracked him down. Yeah, he's a freak. He's a great player, and he's going to be fun to watch in the NFL for a long time. I said the best thing going for the Steelers to neutralize him and lock it, for that matter, to their two stud receivers is the fact that it's Geno Smith throwing the football. But another big factor that will help that secondary is I think the pass rush needs to start getting home a little bit more, and I think this is a good offensive line to do it against. They surrender 2.6 sacks per game. The Seahawks' offensive line does. The Steelers are only averaging two sacks per game on defense, so... At least you'll get your average in this game, or at least you'd have to expect. But I, I want to see a little more. Four or five sacks of Geno Smith. Hit him six or seven times in addition to that. Make him really uncomfortable. He'll quit. Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, you can't make those guys quit when you hit them because they're just too good at staring in the face of pressure. Geno Smith will quit. Not to say that he's a quitter. I'm just saying he'll get, he'll get fatigued and he'll get frustrated if you put him down a lot. So Miles Garrett had his five-sack day against... The line, or against the Bears. Yes. Chandler Jones had his five sack day earlier this season. I'm blanking on which team that came against, but Chandler Jones had a five sack day for the Cardinals in what week one or week two. I don't know if five sacks is ever likely to predict for a single player, 
But this is the game where T.J. Watt doesn't have two sacks because Aaron Rodgers trips over his own feet, and then he just slides down in the pocket because he's worried about getting hit by a force like T.J. Watt. I think this is a day where T.J. Watt puts himself back on the map, back in the race for Defensive Player of the Year, because now he is two weeks separated from that groin injury. He looked to be at full speed last week. It just didn't really translate into statistical figures of which you say, okay, well, that's Defensive Player of the Year numbers. I think this is the week where T.J. Watt really gets going. And I know we talked about in an earlier episode this past week, or this week, sorry, about the play of Minka Fitzpatrick and T.J. Watt so far and then individually against the Denver Broncos. But the one guy we, we, we saved for last was Cam Hayward, who I think is having the best year of any defenseman. We've got to talk about Hayward. I'm glad you brought that up. Is, the, is having the best year of any guy in defense for the Steelers so far. Maybe in the NFL. I mean, Stats don't show that. But. No, they don't. Well, you know what the one stat is? Pass breakups. I think he's leading <laughs> the team in pass breakups. He is breakups, leading the team in pass breakups. Which is absurd to do as a defensive line. Uh, J.J. Swat? Who the hell are you? It's Cam Hayward Swat now. He's just swatting you that thing You gotta come up with a better name. It's like a big old bear out there just swatting Blam things Hayward. out of the air. But I, that, I'm going to just go past that to save your embarrassment. <laughs> but I just, when you talk, when you hear people who are experts at breaking down the 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 things about the game that don't show up on the stat sheet, it's Cam Hayward, other than maybe Aaron Donald, that shows up at the top of their list almost every single time this year. Uh, Matt Williamson has said that he, Cam Hayward, is getting more attention as a defensive lineman as far as pass protection is concerned than any defensive lineman in the NFL Teams are keying on him, and I don't blame them because they're There's down no to their to they're down to on. their third string, mm-hmm. fourth string even uh, partners for Cam Hayward, Isaiah Bugs, Wormley, Carlos Davis hasn't been able to stay healthy since week one, so they're down to it as far as that uh, defensive lineman uh, tandem is concerned. And it's funny I said down to it because they literally are down, down to it. Two guys and to it is one and of them. Stephon to it, yeah. You're hoping to see to it come back for the Browns game after the bye week. You will not see him against Seattle. He has started to slowly but surely work his way back into the fold. I think the target is Browns after the bye. Target, I say. That's not exactly exactly expected yet. No. But we're hopeful, and we shall live in hope because they need it desperately. They need somebody to take some attention off of Hayward because you saw when Alu Alu was healthy-ish for that Bills game, he goes down early and Davis comes in. Uh, Bills had a game plan for dealing with both Hayward and Alu-Alu, and you saw how much Hayward could just wreck that game when they weren't solely focused on him. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be huge for them to get some reinforcements for Hayward on that line, but even if they don't, he's being recognized by people that at least are in the know as having an incredible season for a defensive player. Even though you know the casual fans won't recognize it because it won't show up on the stat sheet, the ones that matter, the all-pro voters they see what's happening with number 97 and he's on his way to he's a first first team all pro team no all question pro. is that the first of his career a first team i don't I think know he's been second team in the past but i believe he's caught a first team before he's been two first team all pro in 2017 and 2019 was second team all pro in 2020 he's had Expect his first him to continue that three season streak of at least being named to the second team all pro i think right now even though it's only been through five weeks he's gonna be on first, that first team, team all pro, pro. yeah He's probably the stealer. T.J. Watt's been having a good year. Minka needs to get a turnover soon, but I think he will. 
He's the stealer on the defensive side of the ball that's the closest to first-team All-Pro right now. No question. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's great to see because I think you can make the argument that he's been playing at that level for majority of his career. It's just kind of odd that it's taken yeah. since the start of 2017. I don't know what happened in 2018. Was he hurt that he wasn't named to a, an All-Pro team? I think he did deal with a couple injuries that year. Anyway, hey, I mean, hurt. he bounced back. Hayward's I mean, hurt, but he's never injured. Like he'll yeah, be down I mean, you, for a it's, game. It's going to take a, yeah. a brute force to keep that guy out from a, for a football game. But yeah, I mean, where I was going with that is, it's kind of odd that it's taken this long for the league to kind of recognize his talents. But I think now we've started to see people say, "Cam's been doing this for ten years now. This guy is legit. This guy." This guy is a potential future Hall of Famer. Another reason why I'm optimistic about the pass rush in this Seattle game is we heard Tomlin say they had all three of the outside linebackers on the field at the same time, a good Mm -hmm. bit against the Broncos, Ingram, Highsmith, and Watt. I think you'll see a lot of that moving forward because Tomlin's post-game press conference, he said, you know, we want to do this. It's just a matter of having these guys available to us on game days and in the preparation leading up to game day. You know, that week before the Denver game was the first time they had those three guys out there in the practice field able to work on some things with all three of them. Now you get that again for the second week in a row as as the moment, as we sit here at the moment, all three of them are still healthy and practicing. So you get just another week of those guys meshing, those guys working on things together. Uh I think having that trio out there with a lot of practice time under their belt and now a couple of games together, the Bills game and this Broncos game where they've worked in uh, tandem as a a three-man unit, I think the the longer that they stay healthy and work together and stack week after week on top of each other with that trio intact, whoo! That's one of the best in football. That's one of the best in football, and I think Tom, I think that's yeah. I think that trio is one of the main reasons why they won that Bills game, and I think that trio is one of the main reasons why they didn't show on the stat sheet pressure getting to Denver. But for the first three quarters of that they game, they were they contained. were stymieing the Denver. I think offense. it was just a, a matter of garbage time and then fatigue that came into a factor. Why Denver was able to go down well here's three drives in a row. The fatigue thing's interesting because the whole point of having those three guys was one of them's going to be able to come in and spell the other two and they're going to be fresh for the most part of the game but when you're out alo alo and you're out to it and you have to put that trio on the field more than you wanted to they are going to get fatigued because all three of them are playing a good bit of snaps but i'm 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 more i'm a lot happier to say that all three of them are out there and tired rather than just have one guy out there and completely exhausted of course of course and like i said that's a scary trio for any team to have to go up against i expect a big game out of uh those three with Geno Smith coming to town, mm-hmm. I, I'd put money on one of those guys having at least a sack in this one. Ingram, Highsmith, or Watt. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that should be the floor, Tom. That I'd those love to, guys combine for once. I'd love to see all three get one. One each. Highsmith, Ingram, and Watt. How yeah, great would that, that be? Just a sack party for that trio. And I'd love to see Cam Hayward get one. He deserves to show up on the stat sheet with a sack just because of does how Does he have a sack yet this been. year? Maybe if he does, one. it's maybe one. But other than, he deserves to... He needs to show up on the stat sheet other than pass breakups. Before we finish this episode, I'd like to talk about one more player for the Steelers on defense, and that's Devin Bush. Back-to-back weeks with the sack. I know he hasn't been as great as we've expected him to, but at least he's doing something. Yeah, but the thing that worries me is, is he playing more like a Vince Williams than a Devin Bush? That's fair. You know what I mean? 
Vince Williams is a good player, and he was really helpful on this defense for a long time before his retirement. But his biggest impact were those blitzes and those timely sacks, and that's great. I love the timely sacks, and Bush is doing it amazingly, and he's faster than Vince Williams, so he's potentially going to be even better at that. But I want to see some other aspects of his game start to catch up with that as well. You know, I, I want to see him get an interception. I want to see him stick to a tight end real tight in coverage. Still could happen. I'm not punting on Devin Bush by any sense of the word. It's just keep improving. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think you've shown some improvement this year. And you're starting to you know, get your feet wet a little bit after that injury. Just keep going. You know, before I really that. tip my cap to you yet, just, just give me a couple more game-breaking type of games and... I'm cool with You'll that. be well on your way, Devin Bush. That'll do it for this episode of Steelers Standard. We will be breaking down the Seahawks and the Steelers a lot more in some later episodes this week, so definitely keep your eye out for those. But for Jacob Recht, I am Tom Opperman, and we will talk to you on the next time we do the Steelers Standard. <laughs>